I hope you're seated by somebody uh, that you're not too fond of. Uh, you need to, and if you are, so you can make things right before we get out of here, okay? And I think we need to make things right. I want it to be right. Oh, we've gathered up some more over here. That's not the amen corners, that's the amen side rooms. I told them I wanted to hear something. They said they wouldn't go to sleep, so... If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. You've heard this portion of God's Word many times. Uh, most of the time, a lot of times, it's at, uh, at funerals, it's at gravesides. And, uh, hey, today's not a funeral. We're not at a graveside, we're in a hospital. And uh, we need healing from God. A lot of talks going around about different things, and hey, God is still in control. Regardless of what the paper says, regardless of what the news media says, God's on His throne, y'all. I appreciate the good music today and the singing. Wow, I could just took some more of that. Now I have something I've got to tell y'all, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know what time it is, and all I can tell you is we'll get out. Okay, um, but I, I want to share this with you, and uh, I'm doing my best to share from my heart today. Um, no axes to grind, no rabbits to chase. Just the pure Word of God. So if you were there and you feel like and you want to stand, First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. First Thessalonians 4. 13, Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be misled. I want you to understand, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then Paul says, I want you to comfort one another. With these words, Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I give my mouth, my, uh, my entire self to you. And Lord, may I say all that needs to be said today. I just pray that you'd speak to each and every heart in this room today. God, I understand that on every pew of every church, there's at least one broken heart. And God, you can fix these broken hearts. You have the power to do that. And I pray in the name of Jesus, I claim the blood of Christ upon, upon our entire congregation today. Lord, help us to use your word to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is a mystery, to say the least. Life can be complicated. 
One minute, everything is fine, going great, no problems. And the next minute, everything's gone wow. One phone call can change it all. I don't mind you folk calling me because I'm your pastor and I don't care what time of day or night you call me. But when people call after midnight, they're not calling to see what's do, what's happening or what's up. <laughs> if they say, what's up, I'd tell them I'm not. <laughs> but they don't call after midnight unless there's a problem, unless there's trouble. Life's tough. I don't have to tell you that. Some of you are older than me. You know uh, that life is tough. We find ourselves in difficult situations, sometimes because of our own choices. You know, I've made, I've made many choices in my 68 years, and they have not all been wise choices. Sometimes our choices lead to problems. I've had to deal with many. Lynn's had a problem because of her choice 44 years ago. <laughs> she just deals with it. She'll never get over it. Her prayer is, Lord, take me first. <laughs> I tell her, I said, hey, you selfish. She said, well, I'm going to pray that we'll both go together. I said, well, you better get something wrong with you then. Because i got everything wrong with me. <laughs> but sometimes our problems are brought about by choices. We make choices. We forget <laughs> to do some things that we ought to do. And it, and it creates a hardship. And I think sometimes, Lord, why am I in this predicament? But as I stand before you this morning, honest, literally from my heart, I'm not in a predicament this morning. <laughs> I am in the place where God's put me. And I've never been more happier in my life because of God. It's not because of me. It's not because of you. It's because of God Almighty. If we read the Scripture here, death, death is a mystery, just like life is a mystery. Death is the ceasing of life in this, on this earth. We're all going to die. Ecclesiastes says, there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. But the problem with some of us, we haven't learned to deal with death. We don't know what to do with death. I can tell you what they do in Africa, and they do it very quickly. They bury it place where Lynn and I lived for four months, no embalming. I mean, when that person died, if they died in the morning, they were buried that afternoon. If they died in the afternoon, they were buried the next morning. Just that quick. They didn't fool around. They didn't play. Now, they had a service. They mourned. They grieved. But, hey, that's what we should do. We should mourn. We should grieve. But we should accept the fact, hey, life goes on. And we shouldn't let the passing of a loved one 
hinder us from being what God wants us to be. I think about my mother and daddy. I can take you to the very spot where they're buried. They're laying there. Their bodies are there. They're asleep. Their bodies are asleep. I can take you to the spot of the first death that I can remember in my family. It was, it was my uncle. He passed away at 48-year-old with a massive heart attack on a Sunday. And I'm named after him. That's where my middle name comes from. His name was Rufus Guyton Owen. They had no children. And I fit, he was, he and I were very close. And I mean, I just really got to doing things with him, going rabbit hunting with him, spending time at his house. I can take you right to the place of his house. And, and it's an adventure to go to Uncle Rufus and Aunt Maddie's house because there was a massive gully. I mean, I'm talking a big, deep gully. Um, I'm not afraid to say a hundred foot deep. I'd make my way to the gully every chance I got. Because I had ways of getting down in the gully. Now, I never told anybody that I went to the gully, okay? But I'm 68 years old now, so it don't matter. They throwed ever, everybody in liberty. That, that's, that's where they live. Everybody in liberty evidently brought the junk there. And not household garbage, by the way. But junk. And throwed it in there. And I was a junk collector. I've been a junk collector all my life. I have a piece of junk at the house that I found in that gully. It was a it was a metal stand where they displayed Delco batteries. They had thrown it away. I had a horrible time getting that thing up out of the gully. And I mean, I'm talking a teenage boy, young teenage boy. I still got that thing. Now, Josh and they've attempted to throw it away a time or two, and I've struggled to get it back. But I still got that Delco battery stand. But they're gone. Hey, I know where they are. I know where my mom and daddy are. I know where my grandmother is. And a and, and bunch of my family members that have gone on that I know for a fact were Christian people. They're gone. I miss them, but I don't mourn for them. Hey, they better shape my own. They've done the same things I've never seen. So, I don't need to grieve over them because if I start mourning and grieving and keep on grieving, it's going to hinder me from what God intended for me to do and to be. Paul said in this right here at the last wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And he's given us the words. But death is a ceasing of life. There is a time to be born and a time to die, and we just got to deal with it. Now, if you don't mind, I'll wait till you get there. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and I will wait, I promise you. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. And after you get there, then I'll tell you where we're going in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, it'll be a portion of Scripture that's been shared at funerals, at gravesides, hospital rooms. And I just wanted to share it with you uh, in here uh, today. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at verse 51. Again, our writer is the greatest missionary ever lived by the name of Paul. 
And we know that his name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of Christians. He put them in prison. He killed. He did all manner of things. And God got a hold to his heart, changed his name to Paul. And he began to write, as I said, the greatest missionary ever lived. Are you there? All right. I don't hear any pages rattling. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold. In other words, he's saying, I want you to look now, because I'm about to show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Okay? We shall not all sleep. But we shall be changed. Okay? Now, unless you've dozed off to sleep, you're not asleep right now. Okay? None of us in here are asleep. Physically, we are awake. So, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Every born-again person who has ever been physically born and has followed the Lord and accepted Him and is asleep in the grave was going to come out of the grave, okay? They're going to be raised. They're going to have a brand new body. And then it says in verse 52, and we shall be changed. Okay, that's those of us who might be walking around on this earth when Jesus comes. Okay, they're going to be raised incorruptible. No sorrow, no pain, no suffering. They're going to be raised up, brand new bodies. And if we're walking around at that time as a Christian, we're going to be changed to a glorified body and we're going to be caught up in the air with them. Notice what he says. For this corruptible, this rotten mess that you and I have to put up with day in, day out, sometimes because of our choices, it must put on incorruption. Here again, this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption, for this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, he says, the saying that is written, And here is the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. And we sing the song, victory in Jesus. That's where our victory is. Death is swallowed up in that. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross, I love what he said, it is finished. That means that you and I can't do anything to change anything concerning the Word of God and concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. Finished, And we have victory in Jesus. He swallowed up that death because He came back to life. You realize this morning that Jesus Christ is the only person that is, was ever living, died, came back to life that can give you and I eternal life. There is no other. He's it. Now, whether we believe it or not or accept it or not, that's up to you. 
You have a choice. For God's sake, make the right choice today. Be saved in the name of Jesus, because if you don't, you're going to be one of those who are left behind. Verse 55 says, O death, Paul's speaking to death. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Where is your victory? You know, people today spend a lot of money on funerals. This is Hardy's uh, passed on and gone now, Doyle Gilbert, the black mortician there in uh, Seneca. He and I was just like that. I mean, so close. I told him one day, I said, Doyle, I guess you'll be the one that'll put me down. I said, because I'm friends with all these white morticians, I don't want to make them mad, so I'll let you do it. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, let me see what you got back here. I was working on his place, and we went back there in the casket room, and we began to walk around. He said, now this is so-and-so, and this is this thick, and it won't do this, and it won't do that, and it costs so much. And he kept on going. I said, Doyle, show me the cheapest thing you got. Okay. Went in another spot. Here was a literally a pasteboard box. I said, now that's a style. He said, no. He said, that looks good. But he said, let me show you the style. We walked in another room, and I am not teasing you. Here was a solid copper, copper casket. Solid. Oh, he said, now this thing's thick. He said, look at this rubber seal here, you know. Put that thing in there and we'll tighten it up so ain't no water going to get in it. He, I said, well, what about the uh, coffin? I mean, the, uh, help me out. The vault. Oh, he said, you got to see the vault. Went in another place. This vault, vault was bronze. I said, Doyle. I said, if I wanted to be buried in such a thing as this, what, 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 you, what kind of money are you talking here? He said, somewhere around 50000 I said, dog, good night. And you're going to put it in the ground and cover it up with dirt? He said, well, that's what we do. I said, dog, I'll take the pasteboard box. But people spend a lot of money. You know why? Oh, that's my love. So what? Josh's only son here this morning, but they bet, hey, you better not spend a lot of money. You better save something to get back to the house. <laughs> so you can have a party. You know, when this thing's dead, it will be dead. It'd be like a dead battery. You can't recharge it because it's over with. Death's a mystery. Now, I didn't say I didn't love my mom and daddy. I picked out a nice casket. My daddy served in the Navy. I picked him out a navy blue casket. That's what I wanted. Oh, I'll never see it again. It's okay. No, we didn't spend a lot of money. It was useless. What he says in the Word here, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? I don't care. Hey, you can pull concrete all over the top of it, four inches thick or whatever to keep the grass from growing. But when Jesus comes, if that's a Christian that's underneath that concrete, you're talking about a jackhammer. 
I mean, poof, it's going to be open, and the dead that's in there that knew Jesus is coming out, and nobody's going to be able to stop it. Look at verse 56. The sting of death is sin. All right, let's talk about that. All right? Sin. We, t- we talked to uh, our Good News Club at, at uh, Orchard Park. S-I-N, what's in the middle? I, who's to blame? I am. Nobody's to blame for my sin but me. And sin, hey, it stings. Sin hurts. Sin brings back horrible memories. He says, the sting of, of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin. Strength, sin is powerful. It will cause us to do things we wouldn't normally do. It will cause us to go places we have no business going and to be with somebody we don't have any business being with. Let me tell you something. Sin will take us further than we want to go and cause us to spend more than we intended to spend. We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. And we reap longer. Let me tell you something. Because of past sins, I'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. But I know that they've been forgiven. You say, well, you you still remember it. Yes, if I didn't remember it, I'd probably go do it again. I remember what I was and where I went. But thank God I don't do that anymore. God has forgiven me of my sins. Now, if I had... If I mess around and forget, then I may return. The Bible talks about like a dog returning to its vomit. Yeah, that's sickening, isn't it? So is sin. Sickening. But yet people want to dabble in it. You know, they just want to dabble in it. Well, it's not just a little bit. It's not. Hey, the devil will see to it that that tiny taste can lead into a whole ball. And take us under when we didn't intend on going under. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to get no better than that. Victory in Jesus. Therefore, because of all that's been said prior to this, this verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Lazarus was dead, but Jesus gave him life. Listen, we're not put here to stay. We didn't we didn't be wasn't born into this world to stay. We're just passing through. Just passing through. You say, has this sermon got any points? Well, you can, I don't know where it has or not. But I'm just to talk to you about the word through. Are you ready? won't take long. Through. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through. That means no layovers, no detours. Let me tell you something. My family that had died before, uh, from now backward, 
they'll sleep in the grave, their bodies, but those who knew the Lord, their souls in heaven. Don't let it. Don't let somebody fool you that that soul is, is was buried. Yes, we walk by the casket. Yes, we view. That's the house they lived in. That's all we have. But their soul is with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Well, let's look at that word through. How, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through bad choices? How are we going to get through this life? It's such a mystery. And we've got to face one another and face a congregation or face a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or face our parents. How are we going to get through this? I'm going to tell you, by trusting in the Lord. Folks, listen, that's the only way. There is no other way. Without trusting in Jesus, what are you trusting in? You just think about it. what do what are you really, really trusting in? The Bible talks about if I gain the entire world and lose my own soul, what have I gained? Nothing. How am I going to get through all this? By trusting in the Lord. The letter H. How am I going to get through all this, preacher? You've got to have faith in God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah, it, listen, the problem is there, okay? Here, here sets the problem. He's sitting there and every time he comes by, he sticks his foot out. You think you're walking pretty good? You've got to control, he stick his foot out. Trying to trip you up one more time. The devil is a problem. He is my number one problem today. You're not no pro- You're not my problem. I may be yours, <laughs> but you're not my problem. The devil is my problem. And all that he will throw at me and cause me to do the things that I do. I pray for my subconscious mind. Say, what is that? I don't know. It must be next door to the conscience. <laughs> I think of the kingfish. Boy, he was in trouble with his mother-in-law. And somebody spoke to him. He said, is that you, conscience? <laughs> is that you, conscience? You speaking to me? We must, listen, we must trust in the Lord. We must have faith in God. Without faith, we can't stand, y'all. I can't stand on my own. Without faith, the letter R, because this, I'm ready for whatever. I am. I'm ready for whatever. Went to the eye doctor this week. Got new glasses coming in two weeks. I'll be able to see you better. I was ready for whatever. I won't tell you how much I spent. It's more than I intended on spending. But I thought, hey, I got two eyeballs that when I open them things... Immediately, they show me living color. I don't want to lose my eyesight. And whatever I need to do to make it better, I want to make it better. I told them, I said, my left eye is worse than my right. She said, is that right? I said, yeah. Well, she checked things out and she kept doing tests after tests. She said, your left eye has a wrinkle in it. Well, so it is. Your left eye has a wrinkle. She said, now that's jelly that's down inside the pupil like, and it's got a wrinkle in it. That distorts your vision. She said, you also have a scar 
Well, I'm no doubt it. I mean, no telling how many brick is flew in that eye, and how much mortar, and how many nails and splinters, and so I got a I got a scar. And she said, "You got a cataract coming on the side." She said, "Now all of this can be fixed with surgery," but said, "You don't need any of that right now. I'm just gonna give you some glasses." Well, then I went from one room to the other. Finally, got down to where they fit you for the frame and. And what kind of lens you want? And the little girl was so nice. She showed me this, 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 this. And I said, well, what's this, this, and this, this cost? And she told me this, this, this. And I said, okay, I want the best I can get. Well, she said, you have glasses now? Well, I had my overalls on. I unzipped and went to try to pull these things out. And it's hanging up. <laughs> Finally got it out. And she said, I know right now what kind of, of frames you need. She pulled some up. Watered them up in a wad, turned them loose, they come right back. She said, that's the kind of frames you need because I saw how you was trying to get your glasses out. Looked like you do carpenter work. She said, this is what, I said, that's what I want. So if you step on them, you know, they fly right back. You know, hey, I am ready for whatever. Okay, some of you ask about my knee, it still feels good. I, I don't know whether it's healed itself, God healed it. I don't know, but I'm still going on February the 3rd, and I want them to do a MRI on both of them. I don't want to be wondering what's going on. Because if I get to ready to play with these boys, I don't want no breakdown, okay? Uh, but I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever. If it's surgery, if it's, hey, if it's, if it's getting laid out or laid off or laid in, it don't make no difference. I'm ready for whatever. I hope you are. Because we don't know, hey, we don't know what next week is going to bring. We don't even know what the afternoon is going to bring. I'm ready for whatever. Okay. How am I going to get through all this mess? Letter O is for being obedient. Obedient to His Word. God said in His Word what He wants us to do. Why just don't we just follow the Word? He's given us the Word. Why not follow it? If He said this, He meant this. When He said, I love you, He meant I love you and proved it with His Son Jesus. Obedient to His Word. His Word has never failed yet. And it will not fail. Let me tell you something else. The letter U. I'm under, I am under the everlasting arms of Jesus. And because I am, He's the one that holds me up, okay? When I'm down, He's the one that holds me up. When I'm up and I need to be down, He's the one that puts me down. On my left, he's on my right. I do not fear what man can do to me. I fear the one who has the power to cast the soul into hell. But thank God for Jesus who comes to save us. I am under the wings of the Almighty God. And the letter G. Let me tell you something. God's real. He's still on the throne. You think our United States is in bad shape? Let's take a four-month tour of Tanzania. We're in good shape. 
Oh, we don't like some of our leaders. But our job, according to Scripture, we're to pray for our leaders. That they'd be strong. That they'd make the right choices. I don't know about you. Len and I, we pray for our church family. I hope you pray for us. Let me tell you something. It's not easy to get up three sermons a week. Somebody asked me this morning, said, how come we don't put the Scripture and the title of the sermon in there anymore? I said, well, it's a good question. <laughs> Could say the sorry preacher, you know, he ain't got time to mess with it. Well, I feel pressured. I'll be honest with you. I feel pressured some weeks to have it ready for Miss Jeannie to put in the bulletin. I feel pressured. I don't, I don't want that kind of pressure. Okay? I don't want that kind of pressure. Now, you might say, when I, when I tell you what I'm supposed to tell you, you said, yeah, I can tell you it was unprepared. This morning, when I made my way to my study and I sat down, and it was just like the Lord said, what you have prepared for the day is not going to get it. Hmm. It's not going to get it. Well, what am I going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to depend on me to start and here it is. And so, here it is. God's real and He's still on the throne. He still speaks to our hearts. But the problem is, we hear Him in that still small voice in our soul, but we don't do what He says. Listen, say, I don't want to be embarrassed. Well, what do you think God is? We claim to be a Christian and we do the things we do. What do you think it does to Him? I'd rather be embarrassed than embarrass my God. He's still on the throne. He's still calling the shots. He wants us to obey Him. Okay? And letter H is heaven. We started off our music today when we all get to heaven. You know the only problem with that song? I love that song, but the only problem with that song, everybody ain't going. Listen, unless you have been born again, unless you have invited Jesus Christ into your heart and accepted Him as your Savior, you ain't going. Many books, I forget the series, Left Behind, been written. Some of you probably read every bit of that. I haven't. Maybe I should. But people who live like they want to live, they say, well, maybe at the last, last few minutes, I'll, I'll say, God, I've lived a sorry, low-down life. Would you please save me because I'm about to draw my last breath. If they are sincere in their heart, God will save them. But what about somebody going down the road lost as they can be? having a good time, and all of a sudden they meet death through an accident. This, that quick, they're in eternity without Jesus. Not all are going to heaven. 
Jesus himself said, all that, not all that call me Lord, Lord, is going to have a part with me in heaven. You've got to be saved. I don't care. You might say, my grandpa gave the land for this building. My grandparents gave these windows. They gave these chandeliers. I, my grandpa, on and on and on and on. You can have the best saved grandpa in the world, but it will not get you out of heaven. You've got to be born again. The Bible plainly states that. It is important that you take inventory of your life this morning. Say, I know I'm saved. Okay, the next thing, if you know you're saved, are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you where you're supposed to be? He said, well, I've been doing pretty good. I've been running here and running there. God might He's just having mercy on you, my friend. I feel like a lot of times... Some people are living off the blessings of a sister or a brother or a spouse. You know, that's not going to get it. Just because Lynn's a Christian, that don't make me one because I'm her husband. No. Just because I am, don't make her one because she's my wife. No. Just because I'm a pastor and a preacher and a Christian, don't make my family. My boys, my daughter-in-laws, my grandchildren, it don't make them a Christian. It's an individual thing. And if you don't want to be left behind, you need to have the Lord in your heart. Jesus gave His all. And I want you to, just, I want you to if you have your Bible open, I hope you do, look back at verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. What's that mean? Don't quit. Don't quit. It's always too early to quit. He says, unmovable. Listen, there is nothing that can move me away from serving God. Now, I want to tell you something. I may lose my memory. And God forbid if I do, but I, I, and this is not funny, I told Lynn, I said, listen, if I lose my memory, don't take me out in public. Don't take me out in public. I've seen people that have lost their memory. The young man had to put his mother in the rest home. He went to see her. Mom, how you doing? She said, who are you? He said, Mom, I'm your son. I'm so-and-so. I'm your son. She said, glad to meet you. Don't have a clue. Sad. As long as I'm in my right mind, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to love you out of the Word of God. Unmovable. Nothing can move me away from serving the Lord. If I'm not pastoring here, I may be pastoring somewhere else. Or if I'm not pastoring here, I may never, ever pastor again. But I'll preach every opportunity I have because I'm unmovable out of the Word of God. That verse says, steadfast, unmovable. Look what it says. Always, not sometimes, but always abounding, reaching forth in the work of the Lord. For as you know that your labor... And it's a labor. 
Many of you that are saved today, you labor. You labor for the Lord. You're always constantly praying over people. Or you're trying to share the Word of God with people. You labor. Let me tell you what the Word says. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hey, you may not see any results here. But God will. You remember, the devil's still alive. I've told you this many times. I'm going to tell you again because some of you may not have heard me tell you, so I'm going to tell you again. John 10.10, 10, the first part of that verse, says the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to me. He will steal your blessings. He will kill your joy. And he can destroy your testimony. We've got to trust God, y'all. But we don't... We don't have a choice. As Christians, we don't have a choice but to trust God with all we have. Say, preacher, I don't have anything. I've lost everything. You still have your family. You still have your life. You still have your church family. Where'd that thing go? Boy, I tell you what. Praise God for technology. I, I can't even spell it. And I wear it. But in that same verse, not only the thief comes, but the Bible says, Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. God loves us. He just don't like the way some of us do sometimes. Many of you, as you go out, you always look at my little pen. Well, it's on there. It's right there. And it says, dog, depend on God. Dog backwards, G-O-D, depend on Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank You. Thank You for the privilege to be in this place this morning. Thank You for the privilege, Father, to share Your Word. Thank You for giving it to me, God. You know I was helpless this morning. I can't do it on my own. I realize I understand that. But I thank You. And I pray in the name of Jesus that Your Holy Word has spoken to somebody. Lord, that You know Yourself. This altar is open. It's open for the lost. It's open to the backslidden. It's open to the downtrodden. It's open to those who have had their feelings hurt. It's open to those who are feeling bad because of choices they've made. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you give them the courage to come forward this morning. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.